Hey friends, welcome back to this week's episode of Between the Lanes. And hopefully you've been uh, with us over these last uh, few episodes. Uh, but if you're new, let me tell you a little bit about what this podcast is about. Between the Lanes uh, is a play on the word between the lanes, uh, Todd Lane, Tom Lane, uh, and a conversation we're going to have about leadership, uh, helping everyone who is a follower of Christ become a leader in his kingdom. And that's the goal of what we want to help uh, all of us to do and become more of. And uh, through that conversation, uh, really what we're identifying is people will uh, go between different roles that we have. Uh, I'm a father. I'm a son. Uh, you may be a business owner or you may be an employee. There's different lanes that you go between in your life. And so how do we apply the principles of Scripture uh, in leadership? Uh, as we navigate between the lanes. So that's what we're going to do, have a conversation between Dad and I, and uh, in different times we're going to have guests. Dad, any other vision you want to cast about the podcast? Well, just this thought that leadership is a journey, and no matter if you are a seasoned leader with lots of experience or you're just early on in your leadership experience, we want to challenge you, we want to inspire you, we want to motivate you with biblical principles. Uh, of how you can best lead and influence people around you, whether that's your own family or people in your neighborhood or it's in the business that you run or the ministry that you're involved in. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> over the course of our, our podcast, we're going to have many times it's just dialogue between Dad and I. Other times we're going to have guests. And uh, this week's episode is actually our first time to have a guest. And um, we... We know the importance of the first, right? We, 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 we've been taught uh, 20 years listening to Pastor Robert Morris talk about the first. Uh, and so I think the first guest we have is really important. And when we've talked about uh, the vision for this podcast and, and what we're trying to summarize and people going between different lanes, when I think about a person who epitomizes the ability to carry biblical principles, leadership principles, activating their life in every different lane that they are in and apply the word of God in their life and seek to live it out truthfully. There's probably no one uh, I think carries that out better than our guest today. And that is Mr. Jack Hollis. Uh, Jack, uh, hopefully you know Jack, but if you don't, let me tell you a little bit about, uh, about Jack. Jack is the president of Toyota Motors. Uh, now for you young kids out there, explain a little bit because sometimes <laughs> I don't understand there's there's Toyota dealerships and uh and there's a lot of Toyota dealerships when I my first kids my, my kids first met Jack they said what what what, what dealership I said no Toyota like the whole <laughs> company uh this is uh this is the responsibility you have in leadership and uh Jack we're so honored that you are here with us today um I met Jack as uh as a member of the church and got to develop a relationship with you from that uh, standpoint and got to see who you are as a believer, how you lead your family. Um, I, I'm not in your company, so I don't actually know how you lead your company, but I know you and I see the leadership principles you apply. So talk about it a little bit, just real quick, let people get to know uh, you and what you do at Toyota and just a little bit about Jack Hollis. Well, that's the first thank you, uh, both to Tom and to Todd for having me. This is, um, that's one of the nicest introductions I've ever received. Um, I am fortunate uh, and blessed and favored. Um, that's exactly how I'm in this role today. 
um, the title. I have multiple titles, the president role, and and there's these different things that I've had. Um, what I basically get to do is I get to run um, the Toyota and Lexus um, companies for North America, mm. and uh, that's really what it is. Um, <laughs> It's no, it's no small. That's a, that's a very brief statement for a very large. Staff. <laughs> it's funny when you start, you started thinking about it. I'm like, wow, that's, this sounds that sounds like pretty big. Yeah. Um, what it is, I have an incredible team of people mm. in an incredible organization whose ethos, the, the company's ethos, is very much aligned with my own. Mm. And so, I think what's been great is to work in a company whose two key beliefs are respect for people and kaizen. And mm. kaizen means continuous improvement. And in my own life, if you think about it in your own lives, what is the one thing that, that, that God is completely telling us throughout the Bible? It's a love story, but it's always that he wants to grow their relationship with us. Yeah. He wants to be in a personal relationship. And in essence, we can call that respect for people. It's, I know it's a little corny in that way, but if we talk about Kaizen, it's always improving. Mm. Well, what's the, what does the Christian man or woman do? It's right. always maturing. That's right. That's right. There's always more. There's never an ending. That's right. If you're a disciple, you're continually improving. You're continually learning. You're yeah. asking. Okay. You are seeking. You are finding. And it's always a process of more. Yeah. And so when Toyota has that as their ethos and I have that as mine, mm. for me to work for this company, um, God has allowed then for the favor to move along by, in a sense, maturing in him yeah. has then allowed me to mature as a leader in uh, this company. And that's um, what I do today. I, I have a chance to work on sales and the parts and service business. I also work as our global marketing officer for uh, Olympics and Paralympics. Mm. I work on our customer relations. I work on our market representation and what, where we put our dealerships. So there's so many different aspects, but ultimately what it is, is truly to serve every customer because we believe we can, and I believe, we can make every customer smile. That's awesome. I, I believe you can, and I believe you, you probably try. You alone do that. Okay, so I, I just have to jump in yeah. and uh, take it back a little bit. Okay. When I first met you and I was hearing your story, yeah. the the thing that I I know you, like Todd said, he knows you. I know you as, as a believer, as a church member, as a father, as a husband, and I hear about you and talk with you about leadership issues in, in your role, but- one of the things that stood out to me when you first introduced yourself to me mm. and just told me who you were, mm. uh, you said, I'm, I'm a baseball player. <laughs> yeah, I love baseball. Yeah. I, I decided, I think you said in high school, mm. that you wanted to play college baseball. Mm. And you worked and ended up playing baseball at Stanford. And then you, you worked and ended up playing baseball in the pros. Mm. You had a, a thought in your teen years of who you wanted to be. Mm. And, you know, sometimes we look at a person and say, well, president of Toyota. Mm. I mean, did you, were you born there? Did you, <laughs> you know, exactly. And that journey. So is there any part of pre-Toyota development in you as an individual that you go, these are some things that God did in me or some responses that I made that positioned me uh, in the leadership that I now have. Well, that is so good, uh, Tom. I, I first I got to give a credit a couple ways. For, a first thought was from the youngest ages. I love sports. I love competing. I love running. I just love playing sports. I loved them all. I have, a, and I have to give credit one to my father. My father is a first generation believer. 
Mm-hmm. So I grew up in a household where he was maturing as a baby, um, and 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 he was allowing me to learn principles from the time I was born. Is he be, he became a believer the year that I was born? Wow! wow. So as a first generation believer, I had all these influences, yeah. and then all of his brothers and sisters, my aunts and uncles, and my mom, and they are all becoming believers back to back to back. Wow. So everybody around my life was in how we were seeking God. So that was item one. Item two was I loved sports and competing. My dad was a professional, is still today, professional golfer. Mm. So the idea of discipline and what that took mm. to do something more was ideas of having focus and then discipline to accomplish it. So in high school, I was uh, uh, just benefited by uh, athletic ability that God had given me. And um, I loved basketball and baseball. I actually had a bigger passion for basketball. Mm. But as I learned, I found out that my talents we're stronger in baseball. Very much as you find as you've been in business, you have, you may have a passion for some certain things, but your talents might be some other ways. Yep. yep. So I learned that. And I was fortunate enough in baseball and got a scholarship, got to go to Stanford. We won the national championship. Oh. But what, during there, the things that I learned was more about the role that a one player plays on a team of 25. Mm. <laughs> there are not 25 Hall, you know, you know, Hall of Famers on one team. Yep. There's not 25 starting pitchers. There's not 25 center fielders. There's 25 players that have a role. Mm. And what I started learning there was that how each role fits with another role. Mm. Yeah. One thing I also learned during this time was how much passion or commitment it takes to be able to go further level. Mm. Everybody has different levels of skill, mm-hmm. but you can have the same level of effort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I really learned about the fact was I wasn't as good as Tom or Todd. I was willing, though, to work to the nth degree. And what that paid off on was the opportunity to go play pro baseball. Hmm. Doesn't mean everybody else, there's a lot of people that were more talented. They may not just want to work as hard. Other people worked as hard, but didn't make it. I look at that as that was God's hand to give me this experience by going to play pro baseball, which only lasted two years. Hmm. And it was my dream, and then it ended. Hmm. But it, it wasn't due to lack of my effort. Exactly. It was that I couldn't meet the same skill level needed mm. to be at that next level. Mm. Yeah. And I could live with that. Yeah. I, could you? Because that's a, that's a, I'm sure it was massive disappointment. Totally. Probably a lot of people watching have dealt with some level. They, they reach, maybe, maybe reached a lid. Sure. What, you know, how did you, how did you wrestle through that disappointment? Um, <laughs> I don't think I handled it very well for the first little <laughs> bit, honestly. Good. That makes me feel better. I don't know that I've handled that stuff well either. I was a little bit like, God, wait, you put this on my heart, my mind. I worked as hard as I could possibly be, do. Oh. I think I've honored you in every way. I've, uh, and you allow me to make it to the goal, mm. which is pro baseball. I didn't make it to major leagues. I made it to the minor leagues. And before I make the major leagues, then you, it, it's going to stop. Mm. I kind of looked at it as unfair, like a little bit like, Lord, I, I thought, I thought I was doing my part. Right. Where, yep. where are you? That's honestly the conversation I had for about. Well, I don't know the exact amount of time, but a period of time, yeah. six months, whatever. Okay, so I didn't think about this prior to you just asking this question, but mm. this is really where I started my own philosophy about where I would go. Mm. I, I, I hope I can share this with you. Um, Please. I just told you about effort. Who? I'll ask you guys, who's the only person who knows if you're giving 100% effort? Me, me, you, 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 yeah, right, yeah. 
However, you can sort of fake it to a boss. Mm. You can fake it to another person because it could look like you're doing it, but you, you're the only person who knows, knows yeah. other than God. So at that time, I started knowing, this is something I spoke about with my father. The philosophy is, if you give 100% of your effort, and again, you're the only one who knows, Ooh. and 100% of your attitude. Now, attitude can be defined differently. Mm. I look at it as the fruit of the Spirit. Mm. I look at it as love and joy and peace, patience. We go through all of them. Yep. But if you are living 100% to the best of your ability to give all that you have with that filling of the Holy Spirit, yep. you can then, in my opinion, be comfortable that the outcomes are God's. You can feel comfortable that you can trust in the yep. outcomes are God's. That's good. Yep. That's why I always ask people when I start things, what are the two most important, the only two things in life that you can control? Mm. And people will say, well, I can control uh, my responses. And well, can you? Mm. Because... Well, I, I go on, on all the yeah. things that people come up with answers. I actually believe it's your attitude and your effort. Attitude and effort. And by doing so, yeah. when a person says, well, how do I know God's will for my life? Well, I know that what you can control your attitude and effort. Past that, the outcomes are God. Mm. But can you trust, then can you trust in that the outcomes that are God's are yeah. something <laughs> you can live with? Yeah. So let me, let me ask you this. Uh, would you say, looking back in that time, that your identity was as a baseball player and that part of what you had to do is change the way you felt about your identity and yeah. in, in, in order to move forward, you know, you said there's a period of time there where you really struggled yeah. when that ended. Yeah. I, I mean, and then sort of a follow-on question, the transition from a baseball player to the president of Toyota, did... But over to that, I'm sure. <laughs> Tell us about that leap. Did you start washing cars at a dealership and then end up in the corporate? Or, you know, how did God lead you in your leadership development? Gosh, there are so many pieces to this, and I'll try to make it quick. <laughs> well, and I, let me just say, one of the things we've talked about, and this, I'm sure you're going to go there, is most people, when they're as they're watching, they're going, all right, I started out doing this, and I thought my destiny would be a direct line yeah, here yeah, to here. Yeah. And we know that's not the case. So what did that what that look like in your life? Well, first let me answer the part about identity. My identity was uh, pretty caught up for a while, I think, that uh, it, in being a baseball player. Mm. You know, I think that uh, I probably thought I was pretty cool. <laughs> I probably, I, I you think probably that, were, Jack. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't think I was very cool. cool. <laughs> I think what happened is I think I, I probably had an identity that said um, what I was doing was who I am. Yeah. And... Um, uh, it is very clear during this transition of, of life and how God used this in my life um, to work on my identity, work on my heart, that I was his son. I was a man, a son, a father, whatever. I was those pieces, not what I did. And I think that that was a transition I needed to learn, okay. a transformation I needed to learn. At that exact same time, the, one of the greatest blessings of my life was between my first two seasons of pro baseball is when I got to meet Jane, my wife. Oh. And at that time when we were dating, it was one of those where she didn't, she didn't even like baseball. I mean, she's like, <laughs> I don't want to date a baseball player. And this is a true story. I mean, she was sitting right here. She was saying, I don't want to date a baseball player. She wanted to date a, you know, a pastor who was playing guitar and singing you know, worship songs. And I'm like, well, I can sing. You know, but, but, but it's important I share this because when baseball... Um, we got engaged, 
to go back to our third season, when baseball ended, or we decided to end baseball, um, we got married right away and we didn't really have a job other than I had an internship at a bank. But we knew that really wasn't long-term. So there was this transformation going on of my identity, Ooh. becoming a husband, yeah. and how I was going to trust in, in God's leading, not my own leading. So when the, 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 it's a really long story I don't need to go into about coming to Toyota, other than the fact that the connection point to coming to Toyota came through three different areas. One through my wife, because she was meeting people on, uh, on flights. She was a flight attendant. Mm. So she was meeting people on flights who were working with the Toyota. My mother was working for a company that was putting temporary workers at Toyota. So she was the placement agent and she was meeting through people through Toyota and through the country club that my dad was the pro at. I would work there part-time and I was meeting people who were workers at Toyota. Mm. And in all three things, all three connection points, the same thing occurred. Those people seem so great. Mm. Those are nice people. <laughs> that was the impetus for me to reach out to one man who ended up to see if I could get an interview, got an interview, and joined Toyota. Who had nothing to do with cars. And my friends, who anybody who I watch this, say, he doesn't know anything about cars. <laughs> and they're right, I don't. But the fact that I do now, <laughs> but at the time I started, it was because of people. Mm. I met some great people who we thought would be great to be associated with. Mm. That's how it started. Yep. But I started, it was washing cars. It was literally what they call a management trainee. And you, you, you did rotations mm. in different departments. Mm. And then they moved us from the headquarters office, which, which is at that time was in Southern California. They moved us out to a field role out to one of our field offices. I just happened to be placed into San Francisco, mm. which at the time was great because it was halfway between <clears throat> my parents, my family in Southern California, and Jane's parents and her family in Oregon. Wow. San Francisco was halfway between. So it was huh. kind of this cool way that God was like, listen, I'm going to let you be sort of close to both families. Yeah. Do your own thing. Start in a company. And then I was a trainee. And most trainees are a trainee for only about <clears throat> nine months. Mm. I happened to be a trainee for... Two and a half years. So I did not start like some <laughs> rocket ship. Either that or you were the most incredible trainee that could want to release you into the next thing. In fact, <laughs> I used to call myself a professional trainee. I had done it so long. I'd done it. But, I, but here's how cool God was. I did every job. Wow. I, I worked under every department that we had at that time. It was 11 different departments. Hmm. I got to work on all 11 wow. as a trainee. Yeah. So by the time I moved forward, I knew about the whole company. Yeah. So... So cool. Yeah, so cool. So that's how it started, and then the progression well, of different roles. But it, and by the way, it was not linear. Yeah. There was some weird ups and downs. Mm. There was some uh, th uh, actually extraordinary things that occurred, mm. which is only can be described by God's hand. God's hand. Yeah. Well, and you're, you know, so I love that you, you talked about, you know, what you can do to contribute at every point in that journey is your attitude and your effort. Uh, but what I'm hearing in that is there's disappointment that occurred, mm. uh, lost a dream, mm. got lost in the baseball journey. Yeah. And yet in that you met your wife and took you into, you know, your family. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's people who have maybe been sitting in a job and are thinking, how long am I going to be in this job? Yeah. Probably as other trainees came into the program and left the program and you were still a trainee two and a half years, and you're going, what in the world? Mm. How am I not getting out of this mm. program? And yet God wanted to make you so well-rounded because he knew that one day you were going to do it. So at any point in that, your attitude could have tanked. 
your your effort, you could have gone, I'm putting all my effort in, no one's seeing, seeing me. How did you, and maybe you've answered it, but I guess I just want to ask, how did you maintain a motivation to keep going in the midst of that? Because I think a lot of people may go, kind of maybe the question you dealt with after baseball for six months of, God, where are you in this? Mm. Uh, I feel like this is sort of dragging. Uh, I thought I would be farther along than this right now. What what kept you motivated? Hmm. And there were so many things, Todd. I think just in being very candid, there were times I did not handle, you know, people getting promoted before I was. Mm. Uh, I didn't handle it very well. Or um, I was always motivated. I never I never had a, a problem motivated to go to work. Mm. Uh, in fact, I've loved every day of 31 years now. I've been, I, I, I don't think there's ever been a day I haven't just jumped out and ready to go. <laughs> What I would say is that I think part of the motivation was that, do I really trust that God's in control of my career mm. or not? Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. think it's a question that everybody, I would, yes. I, 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 I know both your lives. Yeah. You guys have been so kind and, and welcoming and loving on me to let me learn about both of your guys' lives over this last you know, five years or so. But each of you in the same kind of way is, is God really the one in control? And I, I think it's critical to answer that question. Yeah. Because if you are only thinking he's in control when you're getting a promotion or things are going well, mm. isn't that really limiting of anyone's education or learning? I mean, isn't that really putting God in a box? Mm. But the problem is, is we're human. And and there's times when, and, you know, I, I really wanted that job. I thought I should get it. I actually probably on man's way had earned it. Mm. But when it doesn't happen, can I still trust that God's in control? So part of it was me in my own maturing, in my own walk, me understanding what the Holy Spirit was doing in my life and how that was affect, affecting me. Mm. So I think the motivation was more to say is I was, I, was, I was motivated by growing in the Lord, growing my relationship with Him, but then learning that the trust meant whether it was to my liking or not, I was going to trust that his outcome was the best thing for me. Mm. And I did learn a lot of that through the disappointment in sports, yeah. but the disappointment in what position or wanting to make an Olympic team wasn't able to make it, you know, and, and yep. those were things that shaped later my corporate isms. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to navigate between lanes of your life. Yeah. Uh, and then I want to come back to sort of the corporate uh, role and function that you have. Uh, but navigate us into the lane of of uh, Team Hollis. Talk about Jack Hollis as a father, <laughs> as a husband. Uh, navigate into into that role because you have such a significant uh, responsibility in the workplace. Uh, many people may think of a, a person in a position like you and go, I'm sure they sacrificed their family. There's no way they can climb the corporate ladder like that and get to a place uh, without sacrificing something. And I know because I've seen your family I know your family. I know you as a as a husband and a father, yep. and uh, that hasn't been sacrificed. Um, how have you done that? Yeah, by the grace of God. Mm-hmm. I have four amazing kids, and an awesome wife. Mm-hmm. And there's never been a balance. Uh, people talk about, well, tell me about how you balanced it all. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's such a thing as called work-life balance. I think it's just a hundred percent of who you are being given to the lane you're in at that time. Yeah. At work, I give them a hundred percent. At home, I give a hundred percent. That idea of effort. There's a focus. There is a concentration that says, 
I'm going to serve whoever it is, the person in front of me. I get to look at Tom Lane and I'm here to serve you for this moment. Todd Lane is to serve you at this moment. And I think that that is what has allowed the correct mix Mm. or the correct lanes to be fulfilled. Mm. Um, At the same exact time, there were choices to be made. Um, I'll give an example. When um, literally uh, uh, sports or all sports, my daughter, so my, I go, you know, daughter, son, son, daughter. So I have four kids and the oldest daughter, when she was playing sports, how could I be her coach? I wanted to be on that field with her because I wanted that time with her. I wanted to be a coach and I love coaching. When my son, my first son played little league baseball, I wanted to figure out how I could be that. So what I would do is I would take a role as coach or manager. And some people would say, yeah, but you can't do that and give your best at work. Yes, I can. I give 100% of my work, but then I was going to end that timing and then honor my daughter or son or son or daughter to be active in their lives Mm. and in what was important to them. In that, and I can't say this is, will work, has worked for everybody else who might be watching, who maybe for the two of you. Mm. What I can say is that what I found is that God's favor was upon the fact that I had the right heart and motivation to pray about what I would be giving up of my time and give that to the sport or give that to the kids in, in the coaching or homework at night or whatever it was. And I truly believe that by having that focus, of the family allowed me to be better at work mm. because I was in a complete contentment and joy for my family, which we call Team Hollis, yep. is that actually made me a better worker because I was giving the right lane my attention. And I, so I don't know how God worked it out. I really don't. I mean, there was amazing times where I had a job that would allow me to get off at three o'clock on two days a week to go coach the little league team yeah. on the two days that I needed to be off. How does that happen? Yeah, God orchestrated it for you. And in other ways, what I just simply did was say the priority was going to be on my family. Yeah. And that meant that even if the job thing didn't necessarily work exactly the way that I might have hoped, I could live with that. And that's really what's happened even to today, even to right now. I have one of the stories I remember uh, hearing about you was your transition being a, a California person, both you and your wife loving California, but uh, your sort of move within Toyota was uh, brought you to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Yeah. And um, <sighs> do you tell a little bit about that story and and how Team Hollis yeah. handled that whole thing? Man, that is, I, I have not thought about that for a little bit, but Tom, that was a big deal. The company moved from Southern California, the city of Torrance, been there for 50 years, and had made the choice to move that headquarters plus some of our other offices around the country to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, landing with an office building in Plano, Texas. So we get going, and um, I come home one day and tell my wife that the company's moving to Texas, and we both look at each other, and she says, uh, I'm, I'm not going to Texas. <laughs> and I'm like... Huh, how's this going to work? It's going to be difficult. And I already had two kids out of the house. Uh, the third one was going to be going to TCU. He had made a decision. AJ had made a decision. He was going to TCU. So I already had somebody going that way. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, but we struggled. Mm-hmm. We struggled with it. Not because it was Texas, not because it was Toyota. It was because we weren't yet confirmed that God was pushing us to there. Like, and we were always decided when we were moving any of the, we had moved around the country multiple times with uh, Toyota. Now we're at headquarters comfortable and parents are there and family 
we needed to really trust that God was, this was God moving us. Mm. And we didn't want to move just because of job. Mm. That's true. Yep. And it took us about a year. We were asked to make a commitment in 90 days and we couldn't. Wow. And our CEO at the time, my boss said, you take your time. We really want you to come with us. But I know you and you need to be right with God on this. So you just mm. take the time. Mm. And during that, one of the key elements, and I'm kind of smirking because I know that one of the things you're thinking of is, is our daughter at that time, Amanda, and I don't remember exact age, but let's, it was around fourth grade. So it's around, I don't know, let's say 10 years old or so. Amanda hears us talking and we had come up with this idea that maybe I would come to Texas and then Jane, uh, you know, I would commute back and forth a little bit for a while. And, and Amanda, in her 10-year-old wisdom, she says, hey, uh, mom, um, I'm, we go where dad goes. We stay as a family and we should just all go. Wow. But what was amazing is Jane in her heart had already known that we were ready to go and that God was calling us. But we were holding on to friends, family, a church. We helped to start a church in Southern California. And we were going to leave it. Mm. We were going to leave uh, a ministry that my wife had developed with women. It took tearing apart some of the things that we had really felt strong about that God had blessed. Mm. And so but the question was, is do we really trust that God's in control? Yeah. And Keeps were coming. we convinced that the Holy Spirit was telling us to move? Yeah. Keeps coming back to that. Do I trust that God's in control? And we did. And we moved here and found the most amazing people and church and community and and life. But it's not about each person, but it's because we clearly saw God's hand in it and saw him giving us confirmation, 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 even though it's not exactly as we as man would have planned. So I, I sit here before you today in complete awe of what God has taken us to and the spiritual journey, which was way more important than anything. Yeah. And that's where we've come to. And you know, the thing that sticks out to me in that is, uh, one, you wanted God's will above yours yeah. and and your advancement, yeah. corporate advancement. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, you didn't do what maybe some leaders do, and that is demand, I'm the boss, we, we, we're going to make yeah. this move yeah. and get your attitude right. Mm. You took the road of serving your family and... And God worked out the details. Yeah. You know, Tom, I appreciate you saying that because Jane and Jane at the time was so as was leading such a strong ministry to leave that to think about leaving a ministry mm. because your husband got requested to move with his company. Mm. That seems backwards. We should take the ministry above the job, mm. which is where the conflict actually came in. And it's important to understand that what this happened during this whole time was really, I think, God's completely binding us to the most unified that my wife and I had ever been. Hmm. I mean, literally from this whole portion, wow. unified us to beyond belief where, where today I can't believe how amazing that transition was, but it's produced in us a unity that is, is, is awesome. And so there was a portion that I would say was important about the job, but it was taking my wife and I and how we've got grown over the years. And just, it was like, we didn't know there was another level. She was already my best friend. She was always my best partner in business and best, and it put us to a whole nother level that we would never have experienced. Mm. And we wouldn't have traded that for anything. I think that, that, that piece of it to me speaks to like even the, the marriage lane. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you, and you go, okay, so she started by saying, we're not going, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to yeah, Texas. Right. And to the point that you're bringing up, you, you could have, you know, you could, you could have made it a thing. 
but you you let God work it out. Yeah. And how many lessons for for us fathers, husbands, is that does that apply? Where you could try to strong arm your will, what you think is right, and honestly, you might even be it might be a word from the Lord. You might go, I feel like the Lord told me, and then but your wife is it on the same page? Yeah. How do you how do you have patience yeah. to let God work that out <laughs> in her, or if if you're the wife? She got, I get, this has got to get worked out in my husband. How do you let God do that? And at the end of the day, when you let God do it, what it created was a, a deeper intimacy in your marriage. I mean, that's that's incredible. Well, and I, I want to say, uh, maybe this is a deeper subject for another podcast, but uh, getting to know your wife and your family. Yeah. If you had have just been commuting, yeah, we would have lost something. Yeah, yeah. The the Lane family would have oh, lost something. Oh, that's nice. You're your wife has impacted my daughters. Your wife is, has impacted uh, people in your neighborhood and community. She's replicated herself here like she did there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Team Hollis is Team Hollis. <laughs> it, it means a lot to us. Yeah. Well, I thank you for that. And you and what you just said there, there was some, there was plenty of times by my, I'm sure that if, if Jane were sitting right here, she said, well, Jack wasn't always leading very well. He probably <laughs> screwed up several times in our conversations. Is that why you said you didn't want to invite Jay to the podcast? <laughs> I want to make sure I got that out. I will say, though, that the, the one of you mentioned this idea of during that time, there was this element of serving the family and serving Jane in a way that would give her more space to ask God, for her own sake, was God in this? Mm. What was the Holy Spirit saying to her? Mm. And a way for me to open up that door wasn't to demand or or say this is what we're doing it was literally to ask questions mm -hmm. and to serve her so that it wasn't necessarily on me because her relationship with god had to drive this and i think as any leader um who is blessed to be married i'm in my role today in work because i have a partner in this and that's my wife and, and and jane and i to do this and, and and i would say that all about team hollis the four kids and their willingness to share with me and to grow me and help me to learn how servant is at home has allowed me to be now their partnership, all of Team Hall's partnership with me is what I actually think has buoyed me to mm. be in the role that I can accept now. Mm. Um, because without that, I don't think I would have learned to serve properly, yeah. which allows me to help serve at Toyota properly. Yeah. Those lessons that were in the lane of family, both both as a husband and as a dad. Yeah. And I think that has con not only contributed, I think it has built the skill sets and yeah. the execution abilities mm. for work. Okay, so so Jack, I want to dive in a little bit more, and I, I, I do want to pivot back to the, navigate to the lane of, of Toyota and so forth. But when you talk about your family, you can't help but get emotional. And you've told us about your family and and and. When I think about fathers, strong leaders, which you are, but there's a tenderness you have when you talk about your family. Can you talk about that emotion? What what's welling up in you uh, when you when you talk about your family? I think there's just the element that I can't believe that God allowed me to have amazing teammate as a wife mm. for every day <laughs> and to produce four kids who I would do anything for, but they would do anything for me. And I think there's an element that says we've moved around and God has, has, 
has shaped us through many victories and some serious defeats and some hurts. But to see us come out the end of their end and being stronger as a family and to see each individual, uh, I think what is emotional is to see how the journeys have made all six of us closer to him. So it's emotional to see how um, the lessons we read about in the Bible and we've experienced and to come out and to see that we could move our family and God rule and new friends and new relationships like the lanes and others. I mean, what a blessing. Yeah. And to just see that God's love on us, it's just emotional because it's, it's purely a love story that God has given mm-hmm. um, to each one of us and us as a collective. So it's just, mm-hmm. I think the emotion comes up from maybe the immediacy of taking a lot of those feelings and seeing at the end of this, yeah. the joy that comes in trusting, trusting him. I love it. Well, I, to me, it's what's beautiful to see. And I I think it speaks to anybody who's a a father, mother, you know, as you're a parent and you think you're supposed to bring strength into your parenting role or as a leader, you're bringing strength in, um, to see the tenderness and emotion, I think speaks to how, how we lead from a godly perspective, which is to touch our hearts. And you're a man who leads from the heart. (laughs) Um, Let's, let's pivot back over to team. And you, you touched on this a little bit earlier about, so you've got Team Hollis. Mm. Uh, you actually prefer to be referred to among the Toyota team as the team captain, yep. not even whatever the official title is. Yep. You're the team captain. And you touched on this, you know, of course we know that there's no I in team. Yeah. But then earlier you touched on, but every person on a team contributes. And I've, I've said it before, there's no I in team, but there is me. Mm. And so we contribute as a teammate, though it's not about me as a teammate. Mm. Talk about your concept, your view of team. The concept of team, definitely what I learned in sports, what I've seen in the business world is that so often there are, you find some amazing competitors, mm. some amazing workers, and many of them tire out really quickly. Mm. They work so hard, they're so good, but they tend to be about them. They're looking to see how they can get promoted or how they can be recognized or how they can uh, win something. Mm. There's an element of that I love. That, that, I mean, you want that person, but you want that person to be able to have that same passion, but with for the greater good or for the good of those around you. I always say, I love when I give little presentations, I'll say the most important person in this room, you think is you. Because mm. you're listening, you're trying to figure out where you're writing down notes that I have to say, and, and hopefully you're taking some good notes and I'll say, but what's most important is not you. It's the person on your right, your left, and the person behind you and in front of you. Mm-hmm. So let's just stop for a moment, and I want you to thank each one of them. Mm-hmm. I'll do this in a presentation. And everyone always, do, and I've done it multiple times, where people look at me and they kind of laugh. They're like, well, we know that's what Jack believes. But what it is, is that the person literally on your right, your left, and your back, and your front, is gonna, who's going to make you successful. Mm-hmm. It's not you making you successful. It's how much you import, import into them. Mm-hmm. And when you import to them, everybody starts lifting. Yeah, yeah. Then you get recognized as the person who was lifting them up. Yeah, yeah. If you really wanted to think about yourself, you would think more about serving others. Mm. I mean, that's it's cockabimi in in the world's eyes. <laughs> yeah. But it's clearly a model that I have seen work, and so I've always tried to promote team. So I have yeah. at home is Team Hollis. At right now, on my leadership team, I call our team the Super Six. There's nothing special about it. There's just six individuals, and I'm one of them. Yeah. I'm one of the super six. Yeah. I'm not above or below. I'm just with. Yep. And we take out the hierarchy. Mm. 
and the six of us work together. And what we do is we are giving one another each of our responsibilities and our accountability and our authority, and we shift it mm. such that we're all helping one another. Yeah. And it's this perfect little, you know, you think about a hockey players, and they're always skating in and out. Yeah. You don't have just one place on the ice you, you stay. They're in and out. You're yeah. always moving. It's fluid. Yeah. That's what I try to do at our leadership team. It's beautiful. Uh, what I love about what you said there, and I dive into the serving side of it because we know about servant leadership, and I'm curious about your perspective of serving. Um, and you went there, but dive in a little bit de- deeper because I've heard you talk on this a little bit. Yeah. I want to hear your perspective uh, of, of the, and it's almost kind of motivation behind serving and even maybe in contrast to the mov- motivation of I want to be a leader. Yeah. First of all, it's really critical that I, I say one thing I believe, pe- people are not born leaders. I do not believe in that. I believe it is created, learned, developed. Do you have, are you born with certain characteristics? Yeah. Do you have certain things inside of you? But leadership is learned. Mm. Leadership is developed. There are also different le- different types of leadership. You know, it, it, there's, it, 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 we talk often about servant leadership. Yeah. And I understand for the most part what everybody means by that. Yeah. But I don't really subscribe to that. I subscribe to the point of simply servanthood. Mm. Hmm. If I serve you and I serve you and I serve somebody, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a good leader. If I serve, though, I am making you better. I am coming alongside you to build you up. By doing so, there are qualities in that that other people see Mm. and they want to be around that. You become attractive by how you serve. Mm. Your attractiveness then is what becomes leaders because you look behind and all of a sudden you got people following you. <laughs> Can you really quickly find out if you're a leader or not? Because you look around as if, if, if there's nobody there, you're not leading. <laughs> you're just on a walk. You're just on a nice walk. <laughs> well, when you're serving, people are attracted to the fact that you are giving up of yourself to make someone else better. Yeah. yeah. So- I don't like teaching servant leadership. I like teaching servanthood and not just teaching it, but just promoting it. Yeah. And Honestly. how do you apply making other people more important than yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Then if people are attracted to you and are lining up, yep. your leadership yep. allows them to become attracted by serving others as well. Yeah. It's yep. a motivation that I if you don't mind me jumping into it, because the philosophy that this has developed in me is that you put people before performance. Mm. That's that's the essence of what, what we <laughs> love to talk about, yes. It's, it's, I can, you can have a demand or a command leadership, which works great. You look through armies and you look at, at the world history and you look at some command leaders and they were awesome. Mm. And most of the time, the people below them got wore out, tired, mm. or left. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Usually. Yep. Not always. True. If you can put people first, mm. build those relationships, build the trust in them, mm. you then can offer up, this is a project we need to get done as a team. We need to accomplish this. And people will will give you 100%. They will, they will run through that wall for you. The, they, will, they will do whatever it takes to get the performance because they know that you have put them first, you're advocating for them and serving them. That is a model that I think is is uh, 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 undeniably mm. um, and uh, um, arguably where you see all championship organizations, mm. whether it's business world, sports, churches, whatever. Yep. 
and people have got to be first building the trust and then they can perform. So, so, so dive into that a little bit more talking about trust, because I think exactly what you're, when you're, when your focus is people and not performance, not necessarily the results, the results will be an outcome of it, but you're focusing on the people, uh, in order for that relationship to work, there's gotta be trust. What, what's your, I, I know you have a passion about trust. So I want to go into yeah. what does trust look like as a leader and one who is, is fostering a team and, and what trust looks like among the, the super six and the rest of the organization. Trust creates freedom. Mm. <laughs> the more trust there is, the more there is freedom to both fail and to be successful. That's and good. the idea of trust is such that I want to, it, it, I mean, it's so critical. It's everything in a team, in a family, in a church. Yep. It, it does, it's the trust because people need to have an atmosphere where they don't have to be perfect, yeah. where they don't have to be right. Yeah. They don't have to be correct every time. And the trust equation comes from being credible, reliable, and vulnerable. Mm. Mm. The more that person is credible and reliable and vulnerable, other people become attracted. Fact is an attractive word. The building of trust then allows that anytime there's a mistake, instead of pointing fingers and blame and shame and things that come in from that, mm. it becomes like, oh, that's okay, I got your back. Mm. Or, oh, that's okay, I could see how hard you went after that. Yeah. Things happen, mistakes happen. Freedom comes from trust, and I, would, I put those words back to back. I cannot stress enough that trust is the key element to successful teams, and if you look at Every one of the most important franchises in sports or in business Ooh. has been the teams who have gone through crazy, stupid downtimes. The team bonded together further. The trust was so high that it didn't matter what came next, they were able to overcome because they knew the next person would pick them up, the next person would help out, the next person would solve it, the next person would be there. Yeah. And that is what ultimately, and then you can tell this is what I, yeah, yeah this is what we got to do. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I, I, just, if you if you could unpack just a minute, what do you do? If what would you do in your group of six, mm. your team of six, mm. if one of them was not trustworthy? That is the hardest thing because right now I'll tell you I'm I'm, I'm fortunate because they all are trustworthy. Yeah, mm. but I will say there's different levels. If you asked each person, they would say they they trust each of the six at a slightly different level. Mm. So I, I don't know what I would do when a person was untrustworthy or, or not trustworthy. What I would say is this. What I have done and put into practice is when I see someone who is lagging a little bit behind, though, or doesn't seem to be maybe as trusting in me or me as trusting in them, is, is I tend to then go to a one-on-one timing and spend more one-on-one time. And, and it usually starts with having to be very vulnerable asking questions that go a lot deeper yeah. because usually when there's a, an element of distrust, it usually becomes from one of the person's hurts that they're holding on to either amongst the two of us, or if it's a super six, that there's something that has happened and that needs to be put on the, on the table. Hmm. Well, what is that when in, a, in, in biblical words, it's forgiveness. Yeah. It's grace. Yep. So often we, the principles biblically that we talk about easily in church or in Bible study or in men's groups or whatever, why don't we apply those directly to the workplace? 
they're the exact same thing. Mm. So different members of my teams over over time, right now I have to say the Super 6 team I have is amazing. So I don't really have this right now. But over time, I've had to have one-on-ones and really share with, hey, I don't really see you as trusting me. We seem to be having a barrier here. Mm-hmm. It's either something I'm feeling or we're both feeling. Yeah. So I want to ask you a question. Have I done anything to offend you? Is there something that has occurred that I may not be aware of, or maybe I am, I've just forgotten, mm-hmm. but is there something? Because I don't really think that we're on the same page here and I don't know that you're trusting me. No. And every single time the person's been like, I mean, when there is, they've been like, yeah, you know what? When you did this, mm. I was really hurt. Or, you know, Jack, I don't want to talk about it. Well, I can't leave this without talking about it. We got to, we're going to sit here until it's done because I want you to trust me and I want to trust you because I know if we're together, I, I mean, we're phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. So I've had multiple occasions of this where I've had to have, but it's always been one-on-one mm. when there's been a lack of trust. And and isn't it the, so you, you foster that environment of vulnerability, you ask that question, you invite uh, their feedback, and then the real moment of leadership is there for you because they, you, you've invited the, is there something I've done? Can you tell me more about yep. why we're having this? And they go, yeah. So th- as soon as they answer you, they're showing I'm trusting because I'm going to be vulnerable back. Yeah, yeah. And now you have yeah. their heart in your hand yeah. and you can do one of a couple yeah, of things. Yeah, that's right. You can either go, well, why do you feel that? I didn't intend that. Or you can defend yourself. You can try to explain away or you can go, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that I did that. How, how have you approached it? How well, do you, how do you- well and, and you start with vulnerability. You start with yourself, humility that, that says, have I done something? Yeah. And, and that sort of, brings down the barrier. It's like, you're not pointing a finger at me and accusing me of something. You're asking me to tell you what you did. Yeah, you know, in both cases, with, uh, over my years, you know, it's 31 years of, of working and 32 years of marriage. Mm. The part that I probably, from if I start from day one to today, needed to grow more in was humility. Mm. And I think you start, you pray about things like that, right? Lord, and you're always a little concerned when you pray about, you know, Lord, make me more humble because you're not sure what's coming next, <laughs> exactly. right? But I think over times of praying about it, it was more about being real, that it's okay that I may be wrong or may, I may have offended when I wasn't intending to. Mm. Those things happen. You can hurt people and you didn't know it. And it yeah. Sometimes you, you, I hope you don't hurt person and you know it. I mean, I really hope that that's not the situation. I guess that's possible, but... So I think that start, it is starting with humility to be able to do that. There is this vulnerability. I also, another word is intimacy, mm-hmm. is how do you get to that intimate level without getting rid of some of the junk? How do you go deeper? How do you really get to the full trust level? Yeah. Um, I think that there's been um, times where I've done a poor job, early, when I say earlier on, maybe you know 10 years ago, mm-hmm. I might have the situation and a person would go, and I would defend myself. Well, wait a second. I didn't do that. Yeah. What I have learned over those times, and I've also learned it at home, which is, man, I am sorry. Ooh. But that comes from what? It comes from what I said before, the two things you can control, your attitude and your effort, and your attitude is Holy Spirit filled. If it's truly love or joy or peace or patience or goodness or kindness or self-control, we go through each of these. Yeah, yeah. One of the big ones is self-control, is do you have the self-control through the Holy Spirit to yeah. say, huh, 
I don't feel very good. <laughs> and I don't think I did that. And I want to defend myself, but to say is, regardless if I did or not, I am sorry because I didn't want that to be the case. Yeah. 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 You have the self-control to say the right thing and the self-control not to say all the things yeah, right. <laughs> that you really wanted. And I wish I would have done that starting earlier in my, both <laughs> my marriage and my career. But I think over time, those are elements that we all learn at different parts on our journey. Yeah. But I will say, I want to just answer that by saying, it shouldn't stop you from keep trying. Mm. So if there is a conflict of any sort, uh, work, home, whatever, being the person to go to address it tends to be, you need someone to start. Mm. One of what I consider a leadership quality is to be the person to go to an employee, to go to another leader, to go to a peer, mm. to go to a family member and say, I really need to talk to you about something because I don't feel like we are as connected as I know we could be. Yeah. And I desire to be there. Yeah. Sometimes there's people who don't, they've just sort of don't want to be connected though. You can't control that. It's true. Yep. If that person doesn't want to respond and wants to leave a wall, yep. you can try in different ways. Mm. But there have been a couple in my life who have just, at work, who have decided they just don't want to be there. Ooh. That is nothing I can do. You're right. Mm. But I do think the majority of the time, if I put a percentage, it's probably been 98% of the time, it has been an awesome opening mm. to really grow. That's beautiful. You know, one one of the questions that I ask in that regard, even if I don't feel attention, uh, I will just periodically say, are any of my idiosyncrasies yeah. bothering you? Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to be willing because if someone says, yeah, it bugs me, you, you know, you pull it on your ear. Yeah, right. Well, that's what I do. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I have this thing where I, I bounce my leg, <laughs> right? Well, that's my rhythm. Oh, well, one point, that person said, yeah, but it's bugging me. I'm like, I didn't even know I was doing it. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, it bugs me. I'm like, all right. It makes me nervous. I'll do my best. I'll do the best I can to stop. I can't promise you. And I had to focus on it. That's totally. Yeah. Those things can happen. <laughs> but I really appreciate you guys' questions on this because every single person can be a leader. Mm. Every person. Yeah. Yep. So, but it starts from, are you considering other people more important than yourself? So good. And when you do, you become much more attractive as a person and as a potential leader. That's yeah. great. Okay, so Jack, uh, everybody watching can see the joy that comes fr from, it just flows out of you. Um, and, I, and I got two questions, um, and really the second one is more the one to answer because the first one's kind of a yes or no, but because there's people who are, trying to live out their faith, trying to find joy in their life and hardships. And maybe that hardship is present at work. Maybe it's in their family. Is it hard? Cause you're in a, you're in a global company at a senior position. Is it hard living at your faith in your workplace? So there's first question. Mm -hmm. The second question is how, how do you do this? <laughs> how, how, do, how do you, how do you, how do you allow the Holy spirit to lead you across all these lanes and 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 find because you 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 battle conflict daily in the workplace and maybe other areas of your life, and yet you're letting the Holy Spirit be the one who who guides the attitude of your heart. How do you do that? Well, well, I get it. I feel like I get it wrong a lot, but let me start by the first part uh, of, of uh, do I find it hard living out my faith at work? Um, I think I did when I started my career. When I started earlier in my career, first several years, man. I wanted to be cool. I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be 
a competitor. I wanted to win. I wanted to be promoted. There's a lot of those kinds of things that I, I'm just telling you, I did the best I could to kind of follow Christ in that. But I think a lot of it was just me being an individual trying to go for it. So I don't think I necessarily had it figured out early. And then at the same time, I started uh, struggling because I was, I started feeling like if I really want to serve God, I need to be working at church. Mm. I mean, honestly, and I had a gentleman who said to me, why? Your church is Toyota. Mm. You get to be the pastor of that church. Go be, go run your ministry there. Exactly. Yeah. Stop worrying about what you, because you think you should be in the church. Yeah. Serve here. So when that changed around year six or seven in my career, it made me start thinking to live out who I want to be as a pastor of Toyota or to be a servant of uh, Toyota. Yeah. That's yeah. changed it. So how I've lived it out, do I find it hard? I used to, and every year more and more, and some of that's because I've been elevated in my roles. I've had a more authority that was probably allowed me more room. But what I will say this is what I've shared often is, it's never about preaching to others what they should believe. It has been living out a level of servanthood and allowing the Holy Spirit to be me, with me, not with me, through me, to you. Mm. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say to that person? How can I serve that person? How can I help that person? Does that person need prayer? Does that person need covering? Whether they know it or not. I mean, I, sometimes I go and I'll, I'll transition this to then some of the things, how do I do this? Mm. Sometimes I go around the building and I pray for every chair. Mm. I don't even know all the people sitting in the chairs. Mm. Or I'll pray around our building. I'll pray around my own office. I'll pray around the podcast that I might sit in and, and for Toyota and our uh, interview I'm going to have with the media. I can't do any of this on my own strength, and I've known that because when I've attempted those things on my own strength, I've clearly done some stupid things. I have learned that one of the practical things that I do is that every morning I have a staff meeting with my CEO every morning. This is not my own clear idea. I heard this through a sermon one time, but it was like, how do you start your day? Because, and, and they, they criticized, everyone look, talks about it, you need to have a quiet time. Well, I'm kind of a loud guy. I kind of <laughs> like noise and stuff. And, and, and the pastor said, I asked him later and he said, so be loud. <laughs> be whatever you are with God, it's your relationship. Yeah. I've struggled with quiet time. So what I do is I have a quiet time only by a sense of just praying out loud in my bathroom, getting ready for work mm. with the CEO mm. and the CEO to say, please download to me what I need to do for your kingdom today. Mm. And then what I do is I turn on my Bible app and I listen to scriptures being read to me because I'm not necessarily a quiet guy, but I want to get the feeding of the word. Yeah. And then what I do is I'm sitting in the shower. I turn on worship music so that I kind of solidify this thank God and it says from a worshipful standpoint, that's my get ready for work every day. So when people say, what is all this? God has blessed me with like physicalness and joy to live. But part of it is that I don't know what it is. And in, in the, in the men I'm closest with, and some will probably end up watching this, they know how stupid I am on many things and how things, how much I need help. You two have seen me where I've come to you. I'm like, I could use your help. And you guys have helped me to see through many things. How does this work? And what can you pray for for me? So really what part of it is, is that I'm in a constant state of, like I said before, of Kaizen or continuous improvement is yeah. I want my relationship with God to grow. Yeah. I clearly keep making mistakes. I clearly keep giving them up. And my, the way all this comes about or how to live it out is by literally saying, God, I'm going to give you this day again. Ooh. 
and I'm going to try to do the best I have my ability is to hear your Holy Spirit move. Just tell me where I need to be going, what I need to be doing, what I need to say, what I need to shut up on, mm. or whatever it might be. That's really the only way I know how to do my job. Well, Jack, uh, I can't thank you enough for being our first guest, um, <laughs> for being the model of navigating the lanes of your life in a way that, yes, you're not perfect, but uh, you you live a Christ-centered life and you seek to advance his kingdom in all that you do. And I know there are tens of thousands of Toyota employees who get to benefit under your leadership. Um, and now there's a group of folks who maybe are being introduced to you and see and hopefully can be inspired to live out their faith in the various lanes of life that they find themselves. So thank you for being a part of it today. Thank you. Well, thank you. And I love you both. Thanks for the trusting me to be uh, on your uh, podcast with you. We love you, Jack. Dad, you want to pray us out? Absolutely. Lord, thank you for the subjects of our conversation today. Thank you for Jack, for the life that he lives, for his testimony, the the fruit of his life. And Lord, we, we know that perfection is not the uh, requirement, mm -hmm. uh, but obedience is what you mm -hmm. desire. And, and Lord, I just pray for each of us. In the lanes we're in today, help us to hear you and obey you as you lead us. And we'll thank you for what results, knowing that you love us and have good plans for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.